Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 73 of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, and I am so happy that you are joining me here today. Also joining me here today is our guest host for this season of the podcast, Miss Amy Milsick. Amy, how are you doing? I am doing awesome, Pam. How are you? I am doing really, really good. I'm feeling pretty good about where my school year's going and heading into the holidays. What about you? Yeah, there's been a couple bumps in the road, you know, natural things, but I am really looking forward to the holidays too and a bit of a break. Oh, yeah. Well, and, I, and I'm going to tell you, there were some like, I wouldn't even call them bumps. I would call them like mountains <laughs> in my road this fall. But we're past them now. So I'm like putting them in my rearview mirror and not even looking back and like we're feeling good. We're just we're going to feel good no matter what. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Moving is not for the faint of heart uh, in the middle of a homeschool year. So to all you mamas out there moving, I feel you. It was it was quite the adventure. I I can't even imagine that type of challenge. Yeah. All right. So who are we talking? Oh, Virginia Lee Rogers is who you had on the podcast today. Now, I am not friends with Virginia Lee, but she's like a friend of a friend. So she does Charlotte Mason in real life with Dawn Garrett, who is the community manager here at PamBarnhill.com. So is that what you guys talked about? Yes, we did. We talked about Charlotte Mason IRL. And that is an Instagram. I like to I think of it as like a community where they have different curators of how moms and, and homeschool families present a Charlotte Mason approach in real life. And she shares what that's like, why, how it got started, and what you can find there. So... I love it. They are always doing something cool. They have kind of these weekly themes that they do. And I love that it's a glimpse into a lot of different moms and how they, you know, the things they have in common, but also the things that they do differently as well, all under the umbrella of Charlotte Mason. And I think there's probably something here for moms who don't follow the Charlotte Mason method as well, isn't there? Absolutely. You can definitely learn and pick up on new things to do in your own homeschool, just how they apply it in their own lives and how you can do that as well. Yeah, yeah. I think there's always something there to learn from every kind of homeschooler. Well, we'll get on with this episode of the podcast right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by KiwiCo. Looking for a fantastic gift idea for this holiday season? KiwiCo is a monthly subscription company which has delivered over 5 millions of hands-on educational projects to kids of all ages. Their core offering is projects that make learning about STEAM, science, technology, engineering, art, and math, accessible. And they're designed to spark creativity, tinkering, and learning. Some recent favorites in our house are the Mechanical Well Sweeper, Glowing Pendulum, and a Walking Robot. I couldn't agree more with KiwiCo's mission, and I'm excited to be able to offer you the chance to try them for free. To learn more about their projects for kids and to redeem this exclusive offer, visit KiwiCo.com slash educational snapshots to get your first month free today. Just pay $4.95 for shipping. That's KiwiCo.com slash educational snapshots. And now, on with the podcast. 
Virginia Lee Rogers is a homeschooling mother of five and one of the curators of Charlotte Mason IRL on Instagram, with posts on everything from nature study to grammar to foreign language to meal planning. The ladies at Charlotte Mason IRL give followers a vivid picture of what it can look like to apply the time-tested principles of a Charlotte Mason education in everyday homeschool families. Virginia Lee joins us on this episode to share about her homeschool journey. Welcome, Virginia Lee. Hi there. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you today, and I'd love to get to know more about you and your family. Well, my family lives in northern Colorado, and I've been married to my husband, Kale, for 18 years now. We have five kiddos. Uh, Our oldest is 13, and then I have a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, a 5-year-old, although he's almost 6. He'll be 6 in November, and a 2-year-old. Um, So five kiddos ranging from 13 down to two. We do a lot of hiking together. We uh, are involved in our church quite a bit and just really enjoy spending a lot of time together. And it's been uh, a real interesting last couple of years as we have teens all the way down to toddlers. So we sort of have a little bit of every season. Oh, I understand that life with the the age gaps and the introduction to the tween and teen years can be quite a challenge. And then when you're trying to balance the toddler and preschool, ah, yes. So I'm really curious to see how you're how you're doing all that with your homeschool and family life. You know, most of it is really, really a joy. But one thing that I have learned is that it seems to me that the 12 and 13 year olds need as much time and, as, and attention as the toddlers do. And that was sort of surprising to me. So that, that's that been interesting. It is an eye opener because you think, oh, they're going to have this independence and be able to go off and do these things. And they really do need us for a shoulder to lean on and maybe a little hug or two. And yeah, those and tween teen years. And they that they're working out and, you know, on their own that they need to be talked through the same sort of way a toddler does just at, you know, a higher level. So um, I, that surprised me that, you know, from being 10 and 11, just the big changes that 12 and 13 are compared to, you know, that the middle spot before they hit that. So it has been really fun and it's been really great. I would say since I've had the the younger teens and toddlers all at the same time, it is definitely more stretching than I real you know realized it was going to be. Absolutely. I look at it as a new type of challenge as a parent. <laughs> Yeah, so many joys with it. But you know, you I think you sort of hit a sweet spot as a parent for a while. And then you get the teens and the toddlers at once. And you're like, Oh, I knew what to do with toddlers. But this, this is surprising with the with the young teens. So yeah, it keeps us on our toes. What made you decide to start homeschooling? I was at homeschooled and my husband wasn't homeschooled. We were both public school kiddos. Um, so it's not like, honestly, we did not think when we got married, oh, when we have kids, we're going to be a homeschool family. But um, we became Christians when we were adult. And so just as we went through, you know, that Christian journey, we knew that the responsibility and the privilege of raising our kids, you know, was what God had given us. And of course, that would need to include education. And then just as we started looking more into different options and And, you know, came to the realization that education was not really about, you know, how much our kids would know, but about virtue and how much did our kids care and what things that they care about. You know, we realized pretty quickly that sending our kids to school would not be, you know, the right choice for us. And so that's sort of how we decided to just homeschool in the first place. And then once we had made that decision... I was actually reading Wendy Capehart's blog. I don't know if uh, she's one of the creators of Ambleside Online. Mm -hmm. And she had this really wonderful article about 
do you have a philosophy of education? And it's included this list of questions. And it was just these questions like, when does education begin? What are the goals of education? Uh, How do children learn? And so it really made us start thinking through the whys behind things before we started looking into what curriculum or even book lists or anything like that. And so um, it was just sort of a whole journey we decided to homeschool and then I, that article came about and we really started deep thinking through what does the Bible say about these things? What do we think about these things? How does this stuff line up? And then I read, uh, for the children's sake. And, um, from there it became really apparent that Charlotte Mason homeschooling was exactly what we wanted to do and just the path that God was going to lead us down. That's a interesting story about how you and your husband came together and it seems investigated it and made that decision together. So that's cool. We, we did. I think uh, he's a really deep internal processor and I process out loud. So it sort of makes a good team as you're making very huge decisions like that. Yeah. If you were walking down the aisle of a homeschool vendor hall and turned the corner and met a younger version of yourself, what would you tell her after going through that process? You're I would say take all of that energy and all of that focus and all of that drive and put it into you being the student. So um, if you're going to do Charlotte Mason homeschooling, then read her volumes. And if you're going to use Amplesight online or whatever you're using, you know, you pick a year and you become the student and you go through it and you walk through it. Um, instead of, you know, getting so excited that you want your oldest, you know, your oldest kid to be older sooner so that you can start all of that. Mm. And then I would say, you know, it makes you a more sympathetic philosopher, guide and friend, which Charlotte Mason talks about is the role of a teacher. It makes you more sympathetic. And I would say that that was definitely an area that I needed to grow in. (laughs) So, um, and then I would also say, don't buy any curriculum while you're here, save your money for books. (laughs) (laughs) Both wonderful pieces of advice there. <laughs> so who is your homeschool hero? Well, you would think, since we're Charlotte Mason homeschoolers, <laughs> that I would say Charlotte Mason, and she really is. Hmm. But, and that's definitely what I would have answered when we first started homeschooling or even a few years into it. But honestly, now, I would definitely say my homeschool heroes are the mamas who went before, um, that, you know, laid this homeschooling is even a possibility foundation and that went through the trial and error and, you know, share that wisdom with us now. And, you know, especially the moms who typed up the Charlotte Mason volumes and read her, you know, volumes and figured out, okay, you know, how can we walk this out in our own homes and, you know, use their full hearts and minds and their precious, precious time to create things like Ambleside Online. And those are, those are really my heroes. Oh, yes, definitely. Because they just blaze the trails for us <laughs> at the stage. So yes, absolutely. I, I don't think we realized how difficult that really was for them to do to do something that was totally unknown. And some places, you know, looked at as ruining your children or, you know, I've talked to one homeschool mom where they would actually the police would drive by and oh. they would turn off their lights and lay on their ground, you know, until the police were gone because they were suspicious of it. I mean, that's an extreme situation. But you know, it's so much easier for us nowadays, because of the women that went before and showed us that it could be done and a, 
a possible way to do it. And then, you know, really we get to stand on their shoulders and we don't have to start from scratch. And I'm really thankful for that. Yes, they've taken a lot of our work (laughs) and done it for us. So I agree. I would love to know more about your homeschool day. So which literary classic would you say it's most like? (laughs) Honestly, when you sent me these questions beforehand, (laughs) that question, I was like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's a tough one. But I have spent some time trying to think about that. You know, when you're reading and those connections just happen naturally and you're like, oh, this reminds me of our homeschool day. We're like this. Then that's fine. But like when you're thinking about it, you know, sort of outside of that context. Yes. And so I think if I have to answer that, I would say Little Men. Okay. Well, for those of you listening who have read it, I think I would say just the, it's such a Charlotte Mason book. Like if you would like a picture of a Charlotte Mason homeschool, read Little Men because Joe does such a beautiful job of masterly inactivity. She knows her people. She knows their strengths and weaknesses, but she doesn't hover. She's not in there doing it all for them, but she's really good at with that purposeful letting alone. Mm-hmm. And each different kiddo in that book, you know, you've got the irrepressibles. I love that word mm-hmm. that they use for Nan. And I definitely have a couple of those kiddos. I have two ENFPs for those of oh, you in the yes. Myers-Briggs. Okay. Yes. But just they're just the way, um, you know, all the kids have different projects going on that, that, you know, they provide for them and make sure that they have what they need and then watch over it happening. But in a way where they're really, you know, doing it on their own and having natural consequences from it and learning from the failures and the successes and even just the parts where, you know, some of the kids are in the tree reading and contemplating that's stuff that my kids do. So there are things in Little Men that I would love to be a part of our homeschool, but that, you know, where we live or that kind of thing keeps it from happening. But I see a lot of Charlotte Mason homeschool in that book and a lot of similarities in kids that I have are just the way our family operate. Well, we'll have to make sure we add that to our show notes. It is a fabulous book. I mean, Little Women comes first, for sure. And I feel like if you haven't read Little Women, Little Men would still be enjoyable, but you wouldn't have the same depth to it because they don't, she doesn't, Louisa May Alcott doesn't spend a lot of time reintroducing the characters. So she assumes that you know quite a bit about, you know, these people. And so I think if you haven't read Little Women first, you definitely would want to do that before Little Men. All right. Sounds good. What would your kids say is the best part of being homeschooled? Uh, well, it'd probably depend on the age of kid you asked. <laughs> I have one that would uh, honestly, honestly, if I'm going to be really honest, they would say the best part of it is that they don't have to get up early and get ready and be anywhere <laughs> to be truly honest. <laughs> what they would say, not a lot of maybe depth to the answer, but we have a lot of night owls in our family. Uh-huh. And I think that it might just break them <laughs> and me. <laughs> so um, I'm sure there's a lot more wonderful sounding things that they would say, but probably across the board. <laughs> their favorite. <laughs> so what would you say is the best part about homeschooling as a mom? Oh, you know what? The best part and honestly, the hardest part is the same thing for me. Um, And it's that we're always together. So the best part is that the, you know, the the relationships that we build, we're working towards the same goals. Um, We're working at our sanctification together. And I just, I would not trade that for anything. I mean, anything, but it's also the hardest part because it means that 
that they're always, you know, I'm fallible. So, you know, they're always with me and, (laughs) you know, my sins affect them. And, but then the best part again is that we get to repent and really show how much we all need Christ. So I just, there's a lot of things, so many things I love about homeschooling, but really the best part is that, you know, we get to be each other's best friends. Yeah. Well, and like you said, there are sometimes those days or things that just happen. So how do you fix a homeschool day gone bad? Repentance Mm. and just, you know, wiping that slate clean and really, you know, not wallowing in it, accepting that gift of restoration that God has given to us and then getting outside. That makes a big difference for all of us, even if it's just outside for a little bit in our front yard or taking a walk. Uh, I guess if it's just a disaster of a day, we might actually load in the car and drive to a trail and go on it for a while. But a lot of the time, just getting outside for a little bit and then coming back in and starting fresh makes a big difference. Absolutely. That fresh air and sunshine can do wonders. <laughs> Sometimes even if it's just one kiddo struggling, a lot of the time we'll take some school outside, you know, reading the book and hearing the narrations outside under our uh, maple tree makes things just seem not as hard. Yes, absolutely. How do you stay organized with five kids and homeschooling? How do you <laughs> how do you stay on top of it all? <laughs> you know, um, I sort of describe us as organized chaos. Probably people looking in might think it seems a little chaotic, but it really does. I we I really am a planner and we really do have organization to our days with a lot of freedom. And so I would say the backbone of what helps me stay that way is I have a weekly review. So I sit down once a week and I sort of just look over everything for a week so that I know all my ducks are in a row. Um, I can jot down any notes that I need. That also includes, you know, some index cards that I have that have some Bible verses and just some specific reflections that I need on there to keep truth in front of my face through the week, as well as this is what each child should be doing. And then I also do a weekly meeting with my two oldest kids. So my 13 and my 10 year old, and that makes sure that their planners are in order, but also that we talk through things like, you know, what worked well from last week, what, you know, they each have goals that they're working towards. And we touch base on all of those things. And that's also a time that they can ask me questions and communicate even basic stuff with me, like I need more pencil lead. (laughs) Yes. Um, And so those are really crucial. I do that with my older kids on Fridays, actually, so that their minds can just be at rest through the weekend. And then I do and, and that sets us up for the next week. And we can we can just, you know, get get the house back in order and then get going on Mondays. And then my weekly review really, I mean, I have five kids, so it's not always the same time every week, but often it's on Sundays. Sometimes it's on Saturdays if I know we're going to be doing some more church stuff on Sundays. So um, if we're going to be really busy over the weekend, then then I might do it on a Friday night. But without that, um, our pretty much our week would fall apart. And I definitely wouldn't know where my kids were at. And then my younger people who I'm still pretty much directing their days are training them how to direct their days. You know, that stuff happens in my weekly review. And then I walk through it with them as we go through the week. I love how you, you have that review. With my two older boys, we call it a process. We process things. So they'll even come to me and request like, Mom, I need to process the week with you. <laughs> and so oh we work they through realize that. they need to do that and communicate it with you. That's great. Yeah, but and it, it does. It saves our homeschool. And it sounds a lot like your weekly review. So I love, you know, when we have different ways of describing something like that, and it just works for our family. That's just beautiful. Yes, 
yes. And my review is more low tech than some people's, but I think it's good, like you said, for specific families to do what helps your specific family to stay organized. Absolutely. Um, so I'd love to know more about how what first attracted you to the Charlotte Mason philosophy. Okay, I think that sort of all goes in with the how we decided to start homeschooling thing. Sure. You know, as we worked through those questions of when does education begin? What are the goals of education? You know, what sort of results do we expect from it? Just as we were sort of thinking through and praying through those things. Um, and as I was reading sort of my solution for, I don't know how to do it, I get a book. <laughs> so as we were reading through for the children's sake, and then even through um, home education, Charlotte Mason's first volume, just everything that she was saying matched the answers to those questions that we had given or had put what was in our hearts into words. Like we hadn't been able to put it into words yet, but it was, you know, our hearts and thoughts sort of swirling around. So, you know, when Mason talked about that children are born persons, that they're created in God's image and that that is her, you know, the guiding principle that to us, you know, that's what we believe who children are and what a person is. And that affects how we, you know, that directly affects how we treat our children, how we think about them and how we educate them. Or, um, you know, when Mason says that a child comes into this world with a mind that is complete and that he's born thinking and wondering and has the power of reason and imagination, you know, that really spoke to the fact that we don't create who they are. You know, a push here and a pull here does not turn out children according to this pattern that we have in our mind for them. And, you know, that just really spoke to us as we were thinking through those things that we are not going to produce their minds. And, it's, you know, just the parts about where the proper food for our children's mind is ideas. You know, none of us, my, my husband and I, we were not schooled that way. There was no concern about ideas. It was just facts. You mm-hmm. memorized stuff or you took notes in a lecture and you remembered it for the test. And then it was, you know, it never changed us. We never thought on it again after that. And so, you know, a well-nourished mind uh, is the key to a full life, you know, and she says that. And um, that because they're these image bearers, that they really deserve rich, meaty readings and literature and poetry and time outside and God's creation. And so it was just these you know, areas that our family enjoyed to an extent already, but that just really put flesh to things that might even be hobbies for us at that time, or that we, you know, God was making those connections in our mind for us. And um, we already did a lot of reading and a lot of singing in a time outside. And I think people who aren't familiar with Mason are at least familiar with those things. Oh, they read a lot, they go outside a lot, and they sing. (laughs) And so there's there's a lot more to it than that, obviously. But even if you want to boil it down to something even that basic, those are, those are big things that fill us and that, uh, you know, put us in touch with our creator. So why we were attracted to that philosophy. So what are the aspects of Charlotte Mason's philosophy that can sometimes make people wonder if a Charlotte Mason education is even realistic for today's homeschoolers? I think when people are looking at a Charlotte Mason education, that they can place a lot of burdens on themselves um, that are like what quote unquote a true Charlotte Mason education is. And I don't even think Charlotte Mason herself would have ever wanted to people to place those burdens upon themselves. Mason wanted us to use our minds and she had great respect and faith in mamas. So when we make decisions about what our day should or shouldn't look like, 
you know, based on what other people's days look like or what a podcast said true Shrout Mason education is or what experts think that is. And we, you know, we haven't done the work of reading about the philosophy ourselves. It's really easy to fall under those burdens. Because it it turns out that the experts in those podcasts, they don't actually know our specific children. And so when we, you know, read the volumes ourselves and we take the time to pray through and think through what education is and how that looks in a Charlotte Mason way, I think it just sort of makes it easier to walk out Charlotte Mason education in our unique homes. So yes, we're using Charlotte Mason's principles, but we know how to troubleshoot when certain issues arise. You know, we can stay true to the principles, but treat our children like persons and troubleshoot those things. And we can just make decisions that bless our family and bless our kids. And so I would say like the, the biggest, the hardest drawback, I think, for people wanting to do a Charlotte Mason education in real life is that that, you know, they have to take the time to read and think it through for themselves. It's not an education that somebody can just say, here's this system, do it, and you'll get this. Mm. Um, And I really don't think real education can, you know, can be that way. But in today's day and age, we have so much input. You know, we have podcasts and blogs and Boxer and Instagram, and you see all these pictures and you hear all these people saying, if you're a Charlotte Mason homeschooler, do this, you know, to some extremes where they might say, you know, this is the way to do it, or even just we see a certain thing that we like and we try to do that. And um, I think that that can sometimes make us lazy. And then we don't do the mind work for ourselves. And then that's going to directly affect our children. And then we're, we're going to feel like shot makes an education doesn't work because it is definitely an education where mom's minds, you know, need to do work and, and think through and pray through. Okay, how does this look in our home? So it sounds like to me, like working back to the basics to get over that overwhelm and, and figuring out what works for your family. Her her principles, her philosophy are there. And that's the same for everyone, right? You right. Know, children are born persons. And, you know, just the stuff that we talked about, you know, previously about what attracted us to a Charlotte Mason, that doesn't change for any family. I mean, those are those are common things, no matter who we are as people, right? Mm-hmm. But how that is sometimes walked out. So, so here's a, an example. I have a kiddo. My oldest, he's 13. He's in Ambleside Online Year 7. And one of the books scheduled there is Sloan's Weather Book. Now, he is a a studious kiddo. So, you know, he is independent in most of his work, other than things like morning time and stuff like that. But man, that book threw him for a loop. And it really surprised us because I didn't think it would be that hard for him. And he didn't think it would be that hard for himself. And so instead of just People telling me, well, in a Charlotte Mason education, you do this age has this length of lessons on the timetables and we follow it. And then right after that, there's a narration. And then after that, there's grand conversation. I was able to take the philosophy behind those things and troubleshoot for my specific kiddo. So I cut the readings down to shorter readings, but just more often in the week instead of, you know, the one reading that Ambleside Online has scheduled. And then, you know, he makes a science journal entry on it that is actually pretty unique and detailed, you know, so he's the one doing the mind work and the narrating. And then he comes to me and he gives me an oral narration to flesh that out. But I could take all those principles that Charlotte Mason has and 
apply them to my specific child and to that specific instance. So we're staying true to what every other Charlotte Mason homeschooler, right, would be trying to stay true to and walk out, but it's going to look different. You know, somebody else doing that exact same book, you know, might not need to do it exactly that way with their kiddos. Yeah, I really appreciate that explanation because I think that helps all of the the pieces come together for a lot of people that wonder about Charlotte Mason homeschooling and how to make it work for their family. So I think that's great. Thank you. So I'd love to know more about Charlotte Mason IRL. What's your goal with that Instagram account, you and the other ladies? Yes. Um, so Charlotte Mason in real life is just where we get to come together as a Charlotte Mason community. And we get to, you know, work out those principles that I was talking about and what they look like and, um, you know, sort of iron sharpens iron, right? Mm -hmm. And then we get to encourage each other in the doing and the walking out of that because some days, you know, doing that and walking that out, it's really hard. And so it's a, it's really just this community. It's, you know, it's not, there's eight of us. So it's not the eight of us imparting wisdom or, you know, providing a broadcast that people tune into. It's, it is truly the Charlotte Mason community. We share, you know, we pick a topic and then we share posts from everyone in the community that, that show and reflect, you know, how did they learn about these principles? How did they flush those out in their mind? What does this look like in their specific home? Maybe, you know, sometimes our topic is really, really practical, like meal planning, because that's a huge thing <laughs> that homeschoolers have to deal with. Um, and sometimes it's a little more philosophical, like, you know, children are born persons. And how does that reflect in the way we train and discipline and educate our kids? So, um, I think iron sharp sharpens iron is a really good way to describe what we get to do with each other. So what do you think Charlotte Mason herself would have to say about home education today with our modern conveniences and technology, but also modern challenges? Well, I think she would be sad at this state, you know, sort of public education is in right now. But I think, you know, honestly, a lot of the same issues we have today they had in her day, she's writing about them in her volumes. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> so um, I honestly think she'd just say the same thing she said then that, you know, education is for everyone. And, you know, let's get busy offering that to our children and that the best people to do that are moms or, you know, people who have a really good understanding for, you know, who children are and, um, anyone, you know, can have that understanding when they take the time to, you know, just think it through and, you know, just really respect that, you know, we're not the imparters of education. It's not like, okay, we're the teachers, so we'll impart all this onto our children, but that we're just all working towards that same, that same goal. We're all students. And yes, we, uh, as teachers, you know, we're guiding and we're training and being friends, you know, with our, with the kiddos. Um, and I think when you look at education today, you just don't really see that mindset. Um, it's, it's really more shove this knowledge in so that they can get this kind of job and make this kind of money. And that's, you know, not what Mason and not just Mason, but you know, a lot of people who think about education, you know, that's, that's not what it really is. And so I, I, I don't know if she'd honestly be that shocked because I think she was dealing with the same things in her days. You know, she didn't have the technology aspect of it involved, but you know, I think the technology aspect, what it changes is just our attention and 
our reflection time. So I think that is the hard thing. You know, when you have input all the time, you're on your phone, you're on the computer, you know, you don't have time to really pay attention to things or to spend any time reflecting on anything. And that's, that is probably something different than what she had in her days for sure. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, it's time in our podcast for our fast five, where you get to say the first thing that comes to your mind when I ask you these five questions. (laughs) Okay, so the first one is, you just received an Amazon gift card. What are you spending it on? Oh, that's easy books. Books. (laughs) Do you have a specific book that you'd like right now? Um, You know, I'm always reading so, so many books at once. But um, a surprising read for me is I've been reading this uh, Robert Frost book of poems, and it has commentary by um, Lewis Untermeyer. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. And honestly, Robert Frost was never a poet that I was like, oh, I really love him. But I am just really, really enjoying his poetry um, when I read that commentary and get to know a bit more about, you know, who he was as a, per- as a person and how that sort of Um, is reflected in the way he writes. So I have a ton of books that I'm reading right now, but that one was sort of, I picked up on a whim and um, then just really, really started enjoying it. What's your favorite family night game? This is going to sound silly, (laughs) but um, my mother-in-law was here visiting not too long ago and she did this game where she just wrote down a bunch of questions on slips of paper and put it in a bowl and then would pull it out and you know, like we would pass the bowl around and one person would pick out a question and answer it. And my kids are obsessed with that now. So they are constantly saying anytime we have, it used to be ticket to ride, Mm -hmm. but now all they want to do is play what they call questions. And so we're always creating questions and then we go through and do that. And they love that game. That sounds awesome. It is so great. You can do it anywhere too. Yeah, exactly. What's the best way to spend the day with your kids? Mm, Hiking in the mountains. What do you, uh, well, you already answered this, but what are you reading right now? You said the Robert Frost book. <laughs> I am. I'm also reading J.C. Ryle's Expository Thoughts on John. And um, we just finished Harry Potter, like as a family read aloud. We just finished the, it's the fourth book. And then we stopped there, much to my younger kids. They're, they're upset about it. But they get to, after that, they get a little too mature for, yes. my oldest one went and read the fifth one on his own. But I told the other kids they have to wait. So we just finished that as a family read aloud. We're always working through the Swallows and Amazon series on audio. That's our car book. And there's like, there's like 10 or 11 books in that series. So we're always working through that one as a family. We do a lot of reading. And then, um, yeah, so that would be a sample of the different things. (laughs) And the last one, I've got to have blank to get me through the day. Oh, sweet tea. Sweet tea. Okay. Have sweet to get through the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Virginia Lee. It was so nice talking with you. Can you tell us more about how we can find you on Instagram with uh, Charlotte Mason IRL? So um, I am one of the curators on Charlotte Mason in real life, and it's uh, just Charlotte Mason IRL. I also have an Instagram bookstore, and that is the jolly underscore reader. And so I sell books on there once a month. And then my personal account is uh, VLCJ Rogers. And that's pretty much the easiest way to find me online. I don't I don't keep a blog or anything like that. Well, wonderful. We'll have to make sure to check those all out on Instagram. And thanks again for joining us here today. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, have a good one. Well, that was an absolute pleasure chatting with Virginia Lee today. If you'd like links to any of the books and resources that she and I chatted about, 
You can find them in the show notes for this episode of the podcast. Those are at pambarnhill.com forward slash HSP73. I'm really looking forward to some more wonderful homeschool chats that encourage, inspire, and motivate. Until then, rock your homeschool!